Orange County made their way to St. Louis looking to make it three in a row victories and move on up the table to second place just behind Real Monarchs. But unfortunately, the match against St. Louis didn't come out quite the way we had hoped and they can only pull out one point in a 2-2 draw. This is the Orange and Black Soccer Cast. As we are underway from the Champion Soccer Stadium, first time into the box, it's a great ball, and it bolts in! Oh, it's a world-class goal from Orange County! Chaplow, Chaplow will have a go off the deflection, and it finds its way in. Selmo shooting from the corner, he put it in! And there will be no second opportunity as Andre Rawls shuts it down. This ball finds the top left corner, and Orange County has struck again. Past Hashimoto, Segber shooting, scoring! Escalante sits on it, and Rawls somehow was ready. And I like, and I like, over the top, headed down, it's in! Orange County equalizes! What a debut! Not only for the stadium, but for Sola Abalaji. Are you ready, Orange County? This is the Orange and Black Soccer Cast, the only podcast dedicated to Orange County Soccer Club, its fans, and supporters. Follow us on Twitter at OCSC underscore SoccerCast and on Facebook at Orange and Black Soccer Cast. How's it going, Orange County? Welcome to another episode of the Orange and Black Soccer Cast, the first and only podcast that's dedicated to Orange County Soccer Club, its fans, and supporters. I'm your host, Ray Samore, and I'm with you each and every episode as we discuss all things Orange County Soccer Club. And joining me as he does each and every episode, the trusty uh, sidekick here I have here, we have Dylan from County Line Coalition. How's everything going, Dylan? It's going pretty good, Ray. A little bit warm, and I, uh, I hope everyone's staying cool as best they can. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, it's it's supposed to, I guess, warm up, you know, I'll say, quote unquote, for Southern California terms. Uh, I know we were on Twitter earlier today talking about uh, a heat wave and some of our, uh, you know, I guess, counterparts or compadres or whatever you want to call them from the BGN uh, Beautiful Game Network. They were discussing uh, or they were sort of cracking jokes at us for complaining about 85 degrees being uh, a heat wave when I guess in some of those other parts of the country they're you know hitting triple digits uh, but I mean I'm not gonna I guess I'm, I'm not gonna try and compare us to them I mean there's a reason we choose to live here in California I guess and uh, it's because there's we don't want to deal so much yeah <laughs> we don't want to deal with you know 90 degrees 100 degrees we want that like year-round you know, between yeah year-round between 70 and 80 degrees and that's pretty much what we got so uh, well, uh, hopefully you can try and stay cool. Hopefully you have a fan going, air conditioning. For those of you listening, um, if you're driving the car, hopefully your air's working. Uh, if you're chilling at home listening, hopefully you got air conditioning or at least a fan going uh, for that Southern California heat. All right, so uh, we're talking or we're joining you here this uh, this week after our match against St. Louis FC that saw Orange County travel. Well, they didn't travel too far because they had already been out in the area uh, from their previous match against Swope Park, but they went over to St. Louis, uh, which we learned last episode was about 250 miles away, and they took on St. Louis FC, a team that I guess was sort of uh, dealing with injuries and dealing, I guess, with some weather issues lately, and I believe it was you, Dylan, last week that was pretty confident that we were going to come away with a three points in this match. Uh, how are you feeling? <laughs> 
frustrated after that one. I, I did predict that we would pretty handily win this game, and, and we didn't really show up. Uh, we played down to their level, and that was frustrating to watch um, for that first 20 minutes and, and that final 30 minutes where um, St. Louis had our card, and, and our backs were uh, up against the wall, so to say. So, I mean, hopefully that's the last time that happens this season. Hopefully it's not just my prediction, you know, <laughs> you know, I, I, and I was, you know, I've learned from my bold prediction from uh, Los Dos, uh, the Los Dos match, uh, what, about a month or a month and a half ago. Uh, and um, apparently you felt still felt some confidence there in this match. I was reluctant to use that confidence word. I was reluctant to come out and just straight up say we're going to win. Um, although I felt we should have, it, it seems, and this is starting to become maybe a trend this season. I, I'm, I, maybe I'm just, uh, uh, you know, sort of noticing something that really isn't there, but I, I'm starting to think it seems like for every like two or three good matches we have, we have this match where I don't know if our, we get too confident or, uh, we just sort of see an opponent that we know we should win on paper. And it seems like every, like, three or four matches, we're getting one of these matches like this one against St. Louis. Uh, by the way, uh, the the final score in that St. Louis match uh, was 2-2. Um, Orange County went up twice in that match and allowed St. Louis to get back in. But uh, just sort of my thoughts on that. I mean, what do you think, Dylan? I, I'm, I, I don't know if it's a pattern or if I'm just imagining things, or is this something you're noticing at all? Um. I don't know how much of a pattern it is. We had a pretty strong run earlier this season, but I think there have been matches where at worst we should have gotten a point and we've we've dropped all three points. Um, and I'm going to say that that's pretty unacceptable for a team of our depth and our quality and our talent. Um, and that's probably the biggest difference that teams like um, Phoenix and uh, Real, Monarchs. Real Monarchs, they don't do that. They don't drop... Uh, big amounts of points. I don't have the table right in front of me at the second, but I know there's about there's about two um, two points in between uh, Orange County and Phoenix right now. So had Orange County won that game against St. Louis, we'd be uh, I believe on 39 points. Um, and Phoenix, Phoenix is, is at 38. Yeah. But I they, I know they do have a game in hand, but you know this is this is how we get a better seed uh, in the playoffs, which. You know, I know we've we've talked a little bit about confidence, and I think I even mentioned this last week. But I think our team is going to make the playoffs without an issue. And if there's <laughs> you're some still going to say it, huh? I'm still going to say it. I think this team has the quality, and if there, for some reason, is some way that we fall the six places that it would take for us not to make the playoffs in the 13 matches remaining, it would be. An I don't know what to say about the team at that point. Um, what happened? Who showed up? You know. Unless yeah. we're only fielding nine guys a game. <laughs> but. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm looking at the table myself, too. And, and after this match, right now, as we're recording this, I'm looking at the table. And from first to fifth on the table in the West, uh, it's separated by four points. You got Real Monarchs up, up top, 41 points. Um, and in fifth, well, really in third, fourth, and fifth with 37 points, um, you have Orange County, Reno, and Sacramento. Uh, so... What we're saying there, if you're looking, thinking about it, is those two dropped points really come into big play there because uh, Orange County could be sitting two points behind Real Monarchs. Now, Real Monarchs have a game up on us, but uh, or a game in hand on us. But 
you know, to be sitting two back of Real Monarchs in second place with about 13 matches to go in the season, it's definitely an ideal position. Now, uh, not complaining, not saying third is a bad spot to be. Uh, you know, we, you know, you know, as experienced in past seasons, I mean, you can be a lot further down the table um, and and whatnot. But uh, it's definitely disappointing to drop those two points. Now, you mentioned, you know, there's been matches where we drop all three points. So luckily we pulled away the or pulled off the two point or sorry, the one point um, in that match, especially, you know, it was a little bit shaky there towards the end. And uh, we'll get into that a little bit more as we talk. But definitely a, a missed opportunity to. Uh, you know, take a commanding second-place position in that table. Um, so let's talk about the match. Um, one of the things that I, I, I noticed right away is Walker Hume started, um, you know. But, uh, no, uh, looking at the match, I mean, hey, let me just say this. I'm not a fan of artificial turf on um, soccer pitches. I, I don't know what you listeners or what you Dylan think of on that. Um, not a big fan of it. Uh, I understand why some places do that. It's a lot easier to maintain, uh, but it's just, um, I don't know. Uh, the pitch just looked weird to me, but looking at this match, um, I don't know where to start. Where, where do you think we should start on this match? Dylan? <laughs> um, I mean, I guess we could, uh, man, yeah, that's a tough one. Uh, it's one of those matches where it's so disappointing where you're like, I don't really know where I want to start. Yeah, it was a, it was a wanna... draw that felt like a loss. Um, and it was kind of bookended by a bit of a poor performance at the beginning and, and the end of the, of the match. So, And, and the thing gonna... that sucked about it, the, the, the big thing that sucked about it is if you're watching the, the stream on ESPN+, Plus, the, the, the announcers on there were praising Orange County almost the entire match, how this is such a, a solid team, a complete team. Uh, I, I mean, I don't have the word, wording right in front of me, but I know there was a lot of compliments being made um, for Orange County from the announcers who I'm going to assume are uh, local Kansas or Kansas City, uh, St. Louis announcers um, based on, you know, we were watching all these wonderful commercials for St. Louis and, and Missouri-based companies. So um, I don't know. Uh, one of the things I guess we talked about before we started recording is is some shaky goalkeeping. Let's go ahead and just start with it there. Um, there was quite a few opportunities. Um, I'm, I'm nothing against uh, Luis Lopez. He made some good saves, but I think you were talking about, and I sort of agree with you on that, there was a couple times where maybe he should have been able to hold on to the ball, and instead he parried it out and gave uh, St. Louis some opportunities. Yeah, um, and, and that was true of the other side. I would, I would um, wager to say that... Um, Geo Godoy's shot probably should not have gone into the net. Um, but for whatever reason, uh, Gomez did not get onto it for St. Louis as he should have, and we took a lead again. So it was definitely on both sides, um, which made me wonder a little bit if the heat um, or if, it, if the humidity had something to do with it. I don't particularly know the stats on, on what the weather was that past weekend or, or can't really imagine a point outside of pouring rain where the amount of humidity would affect a goalkeeper. But I think balls that were parried by Lopez, um, I think there were a couple that could have been caught. And um, even just taking the blame off of him, if a goalkeeper is not going to catch those balls, then the back four or whoever's in the box at that point needs to be chasing that ball down so that St. Louis doesn't get a second ball. And, and that's true of any team that the, the other team doesn't get a second chance. Um, and we saw that with the, the second goal that 
there was just no one there for that. That second goal and also that that third goal that uh, goal that was called off because of the uh, the penalty when Ram uh, Ramos um, when Lopez went up and the St. Louis player nudged him in the back and knocked him over, dropped the ball. Uh, and the St. Louis player, again, was the one player right there. None of the Orange County players were around that to help protect the goalie when when um, he didn't get full or a clean catch on it. Uh, and, and it's sort of disappointing because other than that, I think the defense actually had a decently solid match. Um, all, all four of the defenders were doing pretty decent out there, except for they were letting um, Lopez down on those parries. Yeah, I think it's that, that second ball idea. Um We've been decent with it this past year, but uh, maybe fatigue, playing on the heat, playing on the turf. I don't know what it was, um, but you know, both of St. Louis' goals came in the, uh, I think it was the 70th and the 79th minute, so maybe we're tired at that point. And, and the rest of the performance for that match would definitely say that we were tired and um, not so much complacent as just maybe a little burnt out by that point. No, definitely, and and I I you know I wasn't able to watch the match while it was going live. I I had some um, family a, a family member or a couple family members actually visiting from out of town. Um, we had a dinner plan. This had been planned months in advance, so it's not really something I can say. Hey, by the way, you guys go have fun. You can can tell my wife and kids go have fun, and I'm gonna just sit and watch soccer. Um, but I mean, you could. I just don't know how longer <laughs> uh, your wife would be your wife and your kids would okay. you know be your kids, but. Good call there. Yes, I definitely could. I, I'm a free. I, I have a free will. I can do what I wanted to. But um, you know, so I was sort of following the match on Twitter, and you know, following you know Orange County Soccer Club on Twitter, the um, Orange Black Soccer Cast uh, feed. Um, yeah, also following. For you. <laughs> also following the St. Louis. Uh, you know the the what the St. Luligans. I think is what they're called out there, uh, in the club and. Uh, they called out when the player that, that scored the f- first goal for St. Louis uh, came in, they actually sent out a tweet that pretty much this guy is guaranteed to get him a goal. And I think it was within, you know, three or four, maybe five minutes, he got that, that pass. And he actually had a pretty solid strike on the ball. That was actually a pretty good goal. Uh, I think uh, Lopez got a touch on it, I think. But, um, I mean, it was a good, you know, hold the ball up, turn over the shoulder and just blast it uh, to the bottom right corner. Um, I think his last name was Greg. So the fans, uh, and I think watching the broadcast, they even said that guy is like leading the team in school in goals. And for the most of the point, he's coming off the bench. So, um, definitely, uh, you know, interesting thing there. You mentioned the good, the Godoy goal. Uh, I, again, was watching the broadcast like all of you probably were. I don't think anyone made the trip out to St. Louis, but I think the broadcasters were even mentioning that the goalie just got a bad step on that goal. So we sort of got lucky on that, like you were mentioning, Dylan, but it was actually a pretty decent blast from Godoy. It had some pace on it, and I think that's the only reason it got by, well, the two reasons is the goalie got a bad step, and it just had some pace on that, and it yeah. was perfect, perfect position right up there in the upper left corner of the goal. I don't want to undermine Godoy's work in that in that play. Um and then later on, I think he had a chance as well. I mean, it was a really, uh, really composed effort from him, and I was thrilled to see it in. Um, coming off of his foot, I was thinking, well, if that's not a goal, I mean, what what is at that point? And it might just be one of those games where we put 20, 20 attempts in and and score one. Um, so him getting that goal and, and putting us back in the lead, I was I was thrilled. And anytime it's a, a local player too, it's it's that much sweeter. Um, we saw that a little bit with uh, Mott Spearman as well, um, the opening goal. I mean, he was born and raised in, <laughs> in Irvine and graduated yes. from UCI just a, a few weeks ago. So. Zot, zot, zot. 
Zot, 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 yes. Um, <laughs> we were kind of joking about a chant for those two, because both Godoy and Bjerman um, are former UCI yeah, you students. Guys just, you guys should just start zot, 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 you know, whenever they score or something like that. Just get that going. They would probably recognize it right away. Oh, I would, I would hope they'd love it. Um, but if they have any recommendations, then they could tweet at us or email us or, or whatever. No, or just but, come tell uh, us during the games. <laughs> Bjerman's goal was, was a beauty, and not just you know on his behalf, but that throw-in was beautiful too. Um, I don't remember who uh, was it uh, on the left side of the pitch when it was thrown in, so um, that would have been... It was Ansa. Yes, it was before yeah. he went out with the injury, right? Yes, I think just a few minutes beforehand. So, uh, yeah, no, that was, uh, they were, t- again, they were talking about that on the broadcast about how, um, a orange County is utilizing that, which I, I, I love too. And they were saying how they love that strategy of trying to utilize that long throw because it's basically giving you a whole nother, you know, set piece option there where, um, you know, get the ball in the air in front of the goal. I mean, you never know what's going to happen. It could bounce off a defender. It could bounce off you. You can get a good, good header on it, good foot on it. Um, but any chance you have an opportunity to get a ball high in the air, uh, in front of goal, I mean, you gotta, I guess, take that opportunity. And uh, in that instance, it was a, a good, good, I guess, uh, what is it? Good execution. There we go. By uh, there by you Orange go. Yeah. Definitely. Um, you know, one thing I was noticing when watching the match is it seemed like for whatever reason, Enavoldson was a little bit off in the match. Um, I don't even remember if he got off any clean shots on the goal and that could just be St. Louis was just, you know, on him. Um, and also, you know, in the past few matches when you have someone like Seton starting, uh, he's sitting back a little bit further. Uh, but there was, I think at least one or two opportunities where maybe he could have gotten a shot on goal. And instead he went for the, either the extra pass or just what looked like a better pass option. Um, but, uh, sort of disappointing that, uh, you know, and Volson who's been your key scorer for most of the season, doesn't get a good clean shot on goal. At least that I can remember. Yeah, I mean, he's still a golden boot, so it's it's important to remember that. Um, and I don't want to fault him for actually being um, a little unselfish, uh, which is surprising as he is the golden boot, that he, he has um, such a tally to his name. Uh, but, but I think, I think him I... dropping a bit deeper is... I, I mean, I remember talking to him a few weeks ago, and he said that's something he actually prefers. Um, and I think he prefers to kind of give that one last pass um there's a lot of traffic in front of him throughout that match um and him railing a shot from 25 yards out 20 25 or 30 yards out would be awesome but is probably not um responsible or uh, (laughs) as calculated as as he is i mean maybe we've just been spoiled as fans that he's gotten you know like you said he's the golden boot leader um, he's gotten some pretty good goals throughout the season. Maybe we've gotten spoiled, or I've gotten spoiled, and I just at least you know a couple times a match I want to see him get a good clean shot on on goal. Um, whether that means you need to sort of switch up the roles here and there and give him an opportunity, because um, again, it's one of those things. You know, if you have someone that's a proficient scorer like that, that's um, you know is able to get some good clean shots on the goal, uh, you want to see that because you're going to have good opportunities to to get the ball past the goalie. Uh, nothing against any of the other players on the team, but again, I'm just—I was disappointed maybe that he didn't get enough clean shots on goal. I think his closest opportunity to coming close to a score was that one where he um, battled one of the defenders for the ball. The defender, I guess, got a piece on it and almost curved in, hit the post. Um, I, I remember the announcer saying that would have probably been one of the best own goals ever, just like you know, look-wise or the beauty of it, the way it curved Definitely. in. Definitely. 
<laughs> but uh, unfortunately for Orange County, we, the, the ball didn't bounce the right way. It hit the outside of the post and not the inside um, of that. So, um, Just well, give him until uh, next week. You know? <laughs> maybe he'll bag an extra one just for you. Maybe, hopefully, yeah. That would be you awesome. Know, that, that Ray guy is criticizing me. I'm going to go and show him. <laughs> I'm not trying to criticize him. I, I like I said, I, I actually am saying he's great. I just would love to see him be able to get a, a couple good clean shots out. I, again, I know that sometimes it's out of his hand, um, depending on where he's being uh, asked to play, depending on what the defense does on him. Um, but you know, it's just one of those things. Uh, you know, you know, if you're an LA Laker fan, when Kobe Bryant's playing, you wouldn't want, um, you know, I don't know, Derek Fisher taking a majority of the shots or. Or whatnot, you want Kobe taking a good amount of Brian shots. Brian Scalabrini? Does that dude still play? I mean, it's been like ten years since I've heard his name, so probably not. But oh man, I yeah. Did he ever? I mean, did he ever really play? Uh, you know, pick your name, Mark Madsen. Do you want him taking the shots? I, I, the reason I didn't go that route is I'm not trying to compare Michael Seaton to Mark Madsen or Brian Scalabrini like uh, like Dylan is over here. Uh, I was trying to compare more to a solid veteran player like Derek Fisher or something like that. Someone you know that can score, but it's not your person you're putting the ball in and saying, hey, win us the game. Kobe Bryant's the guy you're you're asking to win the game for you. Um, and, you know, you expect him to take a majority of the shots or at least get a good amount of shots on there. And it's just one of those things. Again, um, nothing against Thomas Enavoltson. He's been amazing this season. He did He played hard, and he did really good in that match. It's just a couple opportunities uh, more from him. Maybe the outcome's a little different. Oh, man, it seems like we've just been uh, looking at a bunch of, um, I guess, I don't want to use bad words, but like negative stuff, uh, you know, or just we've been critical of some of the stuff. Is there anything positive that you saw out of this match or um, anything that you can uh, think of? Yeah. Um, Joe Amico's had an interesting July. He's, I think, played it right back once um i think he played as a right midfielder a right winger a few weeks ago and we saw him at left back after uh, owosu ansa came off with an injury i thought he had a pretty um pretty strong performance as a left back for a guy that is right-footed and you know those aren't i, I don't think those are two particularly um easy positions <laughs> to play and especially when you're wrong-footed for the side of the pitch that you're on yeah. um so i mean kudos to him and props to him for for putting a really solid shift there he had a oh, couple blocks amazing. on on crosses and and maybe shots that you know it's nice when that stuff doesn't even have to get to the goalkeeper i mean i'm just i'm just right now you know i have a couple like plays throughout the match that just come to mind in this particular match with him uh, you know, there was one play where he looked like he got beat and he just hustled back, stuck his foot out, uh, stopped the, ball, the cross from going in. The ball doesn't go out of bounds. He's on the ground. He gets back up and he gets to the ball before the defender gets to the ball. Um, and then there was the other one where him and the defender are going harder at the ball. They hip check each other. Uh, but Amico got the ball and, and helped stop something there as well. So I think definitely um, he did pretty uh, – he did a great job. I'm not, I'm not going to. There you go. Yeah. Don't, don't short sell him. He <laughs> no. definitely did better than pretty well. <laughs> I was sort of like zoning out there in the middle because I was sort of trying to think <laughs> what I'm going to talk about next. Um, you know, he's uh, he definitely was one of the key um, performers in this match for Orange County. Um, and the, the fact that he did it coming in uh, off the bench, he didn't even start the match, and he was sort of thrown in there because of an injury. Um, 
you know, yeah, probably not much of a full warm up there. Not that you know, in St. Louis and then in the middle of <laughs> July, you probably don't need much of one. But that and and just the the mental aspect that he typically is going to be on the right side, and the fact that he was just thrown in there and asked, "Hey, by the way, we need you on the left side," um, you know, so get mentally prepared for that in like two minutes. Um, it's pretty amazing on that. Um, hmm. One other we thing. Should, okay, no, no, go ahead. No, no, you go for it. We should mention uh, Aiden Quinn again, team of the week. <laughs> um, I'm glad that he is is continually on this um, this team. I think uh, that he deserves it, and getting recognized by the league is the, kind of the least um, that he deserves as it. Um, I know he doesn't score particularly much. I think it's mostly from, or maybe just all from uh, the penalty spot, but he controls Orange County's game like uh, Andrea Pirlo controlled what Juve's game for so, uh, Juve's game for so long. Um, I know that's a pretty big uh, comparison to make there, and uh, Quinn's got a little, uh, a lot shorter hair than uh, Pirlo <laughs> does, but you know why do you have to set the bar so high on him and i compare him to like this legend of a of a of a soccer player maybe you can you he's can gonna always... be an orange county legend <laughs> you can always you know compare him to say musa dembele tottenham hotspur isn't he at barcelona now? <laughs> no no that's that's another that dembele there's like there's like three or four dembele's that are big soccer players one plays for one celtic. of them celtic one of them plays in Barcelona. One of them plays at Tottenham, and I think there's one other one. The one in Barcelona that you were thinking is Usame, Usame, okay. whatever his name is. I play FIFA on Xbox, and um, I see his name. I just never hear it, so uh, I, I don't follow La Liga uh, religiously like some people do. So I, I'm not even gonna say I know how to say his name. <laughs> but uh, no, it's no. Uh, it was amazing uh, when I saw. Uh, I think. Earlier on Tuesday in the day, the uh, USL sent out the their team of the week, and I saw that, and I had to sort of do a double check because I remember he was in it last week. So I was, is this a retweet of last week's team of the week, or is this the official new one? Um, and then once I sort of you know confirmed that by looking at it, I sort of said, okay, cool, and we sent out the tweet on our um, Twitter, just sort of saying, hey, you know, seems to be a recurring thing here, but Aiden Queen, Quinn's back on the team of the week, um, and I know the club even you know, joked around with it saying it's not deja vu. It's real. It's, you know, two weeks in a row. So that was pretty amazing. Cause again, he's like, you said, he's been solid. And, and I think as the season has grown, I know he joined us this early, you know, this season. So sometimes it takes a little bit of time to just sort of, you know, gain your, your footing and your positioning on the team. But I think as the season's gone and with some of the injuries we've had to deal with, um, with, you know, Chapo earlier on, uh, Hashimoto, who was getting a lot of the playing time earlier on in the season as well. Now that Quinn has gotten a chance to be out there and he's getting um, steady playing time, um, he's really established and taken hold of that midfield role and that sort of general uh, in that midfield for the team and setting up his players or his teammates. Yeah, I mean, he's played in, in 21 of our matches, and we've played 21 matches. Uh, <laughs> you know, So I guess, I guess, you know, hey, it, he's been in there, but yeah, you know, when you have, um, I guess players like a Richard Chaplow, who's this veteran of soccer. Um, Hashimoto has been, you know, around for a while. Um, I'm not saying Quinn hasn't been around, but I mean, he's, he's younger. So, I mean, sometimes just it's natural to sort of 
uh, let your elders or I'm not trying to call players old or anything like that, but let your, your, your more established veterans, let's go that way, um, sort of give them the, the benefit of the doubt, the control, and, you know, they're sort of the, the team leaders just sort of by default unless someone takes it. Um, I, I just think as they've gotten less playing time or they've dealt with injuries, it's given Quinn and maybe someone like Christian Duke as well, two of the new players, a chance to establish their leadership on this team. And it's definitely, um, it's definitely been noticed and it's definitely been pretty good. Yeah, and, and kind of one last thought about Aiden Quinn is he's so mature on the field. I, I can't speak to off the field. I, I don't know him personally, but so mature on the field to, to pick out those passes. Um, it's just consistently putting in you know, probably at least 40 passes a match, and, and those passes almost every time are reaching their target. Um, and they're good passes. This isn't a, a Man United, we're just going to pass back and forth uh, between uh, Pogba and Matic and then eventually pass it back to De Gea because they don't know what else to do. Um, this is a, we're looking forward, we're attacking. These passes are getting out to the wing or uh, linking up with Enavolts and up top. Um, just consistently, it's it's amazing that he's this young. I mean, he's got a few years on me, but he's this young and he's this composed all the time. And um, like you said, that you know the playing style, and he's been a big part of that. That that constantly attacking, um, he's been a big part of of keeping us, you know, going forward. Uh, and and again, just sort of controlling the midfield. Um, you know, he's you know every once in a while you'll get a mistake pass or something out of him, but you're going to get that almost anywhere at any level. Um, even some of the best uh, teams in the world, you're going to have, you know, a midfielder make a mistake and give the ball up. But uh, for the most part, and especially over this last recent period of time, uh, he's been on a, an amazing run of form and he's you know, been on fire uh, for Orange County. So hopefully he can keep that up and hopefully that can uh, tra- translate into some uh, full three point victories and not just some draws here like we had against St. Louis. Uh, so props to you, uh, Aiden Quinn, for another team of the week. Keep it up. Go for three in a row. Uh Hopefully that happens. Um, you know, something else I, I know I'm trying, we, I said, let's try and get more into the positive side. But one thing that just sort of came to my mind while we were talking about Eden Quinn and nothing to do with him. Um, but if we can all recall uh, about a month back or so uh, in the match against Los Dos, uh, Alex Cronelli uh, took a swipe at one of the Los Dos players, uh, Galaxy 2 players. Uh, I think I he, honestly couldn't tell you who it is. I remember he, he had an afro, but that's about it. <laughs> do he was ra- also about a foot shorter than Cronali. <laughs> <laughs> do you remember? I don't even think uh, Cronali got a card in them for that, or did he get a yellow? He got a yellow for he, that. Yellow. And then after that, he got the three-match suspension. I remember, you know, even at the match, I told you, hey, we're lucky he didn't get the red, because I, I, I went right away and pulled up ESPN+, Plus, looked at the, the, the feed, and saw what happened. And, um, I wasn't thinking anything about it after the match. I'm like, oh, he, he got away with it. Uh, but then the match came down with a three car or three game three match suspension uh, for that. Um, that seems to be a hot topic. Uh, there's a potential that that could potentially be something that happens in this match we're talking about right now because there was an instant incident where uh, with Mark Segbers that he sort of got tripped from behind and the ref didn't make a call on it. I think Segbers got a little upset about it, and you you know watch the replay. Uh, he gives a little knee to the knee to like the side of the knee of one of the St. Louis players. That St. Louis player, you know, embellishes it, sells it, shows, you know, acts like he got his knee broken. Uh, the ref calls a foul, gives Segbers the yellow card, and play resumes. Right. So, I'm wondering, Dylan, what are your thoughts? Are are you anticipating? Or are you thinking that we're going to have a similar situation of what we had with Cornelli, or 
is this maybe not as bad of a situation or is this something where the league's going to look at the the whole situation and say, hey, well, you know, he got tackled from behind and uh, he didn't give that hard of a, a hit to the, the player. I don't know what your thoughts are on that, Dylan. Um, should we expect a, a suspension for Segbers from that? Um, I really don't think we should, and I don't think it's right for him to to be suspended for that. Um, I think if the league starts coming down with these suspensions for um, these little little clashes in between players, you're gonna have every team looking like St. Louis, where they're gonna have you know 15 dudes named in a match squad because everyone's gonna be serving a three game suspension. Um, tensions are high. Um, you know, points to Orange County matter a lot as we're trying to get to the top of the table or stay as close to the top of the table as possible. And points to St. Louis matter because they're trying to uh, creep into that um, into playoff contention as we as we wind down in the season. So, you know, tempers are going to flare a little bit, and you know, I think the yellow card in that is the right uh, is the right action. Uh, you know, talking to you from the ref, uh, and then an understanding between the players that that kind of action isn't going to continue and it's uh, true for the rest of the team as well so then my my big question is what makes this incident or this you know situation different from what happened with alex Cornelli against uh, galaxy 2 yes i know um in the galaxy 2 match it, there was nothing prior to it that led up to what Cornelli did i guess in that moment i know there's probably stuff going on throughout the match that led to that. I don't think Alex Cornelli is the type of person that's going to randomly say, hey, you with an afro, I don't like your fro, let me kick you in the shin. Um, I'm sure there was something that led to that situation. But really, when I'm looking at it, what's the difference between the Cornelli thing and the Segbers thing? If if we're, you know, we're always sort of bashing the officiating um, USL, I guess, each week because we always find something to talk about. Um, maybe in this, this is, you know, maybe even above the officiating, officiating now, this is the league saying things, but they're very similar situations where it's a player either reacting to something that happened throughout the match or to an incident in the match. And it was a retaliation. And, and I think that was the reasoning behind the Cornelli or yeah, the Cornelli suspension is that he retaliated to something. And in this instance, Segbers, although it looks very light, he retaliated to something. So I'm wondering what the difference is. Maybe you don't get a full three match suspension. Maybe it's a one match suspension. I don't want any suspension because I don't think in both of those instances, I don't really think it warranted a suspension. Maybe, uh, you know, uh, the thought of, I think, with the Cronally thing is maybe it was determined it should have been an automatic red, and that's why he's getting suspension. Or I, I don't I don't get it. Yeah. It's confusing. I, <laughs> confusing, but... I think that's what the difference is between those two. Um, lashing out at someone with your foot, you know, kicking out at them is... As opposed to the knee. Is a, Yeah, it's it's violent conduct. <laughs> um, where, do you, where do you stop a kick uh, if it's just a... You know, um, if it's a little jab to the shins, or is it the full-fledged, you know, att- like uh, Pepe-esque, <laughs> you know, attempt to, or uh, what, Mascherano, or, or whoever, Otamende, I think, did it in the World Cup, where you're just trying to kick the opposing player's head off. I mean, okay, I can see where they draw the line is, if you're kicking on an opponent, you're going to get a three-match suspension, and I think that's fair. But if you're kneeing uh, the opponent, then no suspension, then? I don't think that it's as much of a knee as it is Segbers getting up into the St. Louis player's face. I, um, no, I'll say I watched the replay right before we got on. I, I rewound that specific part. He does slightly push the knee forward into the player. Now, it is the player standing right in front of him, so it's sort of that, you know, you walk by someone, you lower your shoulder into them as you walk by to let them know, hey, you know, F you or whatever you're trying to tell the guy. But he did, you know, there was a movement of the knee. 
Um, so it was intentional, the knee contact. It, I, I mean, I, yeah, I, again, no, I, I don't want him suspended, but if you're going to go off of what happened with Cornelli, then there's that fear in the back of my mind that we're going to be looking at some sort of um, punishment to Segbers on this, which I don't want to see. Yeah, it's it's less that, it, that it's an actual kneeing motion and more that it's um, kind of like a stepping up to them and and you know making those comments heard. You know, dropping a shoulder into a guy as you walk by. It's the same uh, idea as opposed to a kick, which is going to be about as deliberate as it comes. Um, if you're kicking at a player and you're off the ball, you're there's no reason for that. And um, I like Cranelli's play. Um, but there's you know there's no reason to to kick out at a player, especially when you've got a <laughs> you've got a foot on the guy and you've you've had him in your pocket all match long. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's pretty needless. But um, I think it's just a difference between outright what is violent conduct and what is a little bit more of a gray area of just uh, kind of gamesmanship and stepping up to an opponent after they after they put in a tackle like that. So what I'll say is this, then, for those of you listening, um, let us know what you think on this. You can always tweet us at uh, the Orange and Black Soccercast. That's at, at OCSC underscore Soccercast. Let us know what your thoughts are. Do you think Segbers will be suspended? Um, what are your thoughts Does on this? Does he deserve to be suspended? Does he deserve, yeah. Yeah. Does he deserve it, and do you think he will get it? Um, it's two, quite, two great questions to put on there, um, especially since it's sort of a hot topic. I guess there was a match with FC Cincinnati uh, where they have a player that got suspended for an elbow. Um, and a lot of the FC fan, uh, Cincinnati fans are sort of up in arms or upset about it. And I, I was listening to the USL show podcast, which is uh, an, another podcast that's part of BGN. Um, and they were even talking about how some of the fans were saying, this is why we're leaving the USL. This is why we want to go to MLS because the USL is a joke. That led to the big old conversation. Go ahead and listen to their latest episode. You can hear what they had to say about that. Um, but it seems like, you know, this is sort of this period where you have that happen. And now the league sort of has a spotlight on we're not going to deal with any kind of retaliation um, activities from players. So that's again, that's just sort of why I have this sort of fear that something's going to come of it. Do I want it? No. But um, because this is like sort of a spotlight thing, the league's looking at this right now. And because it looked like there was some sort of re retaliation movement. And yes, the uh, St. Louis player pulled a, a Neymar and tried to really sell that. Maybe he was hungry for some KFC like uh, that. Uh, World Cup commercial. We That's talked South about. African. <laughs> Where we learned a, a great. We, that was a great educational episode. We learned about the conversion rate. Uh, for those of you traveling to South Africa, I'm sure it's changed uh, by now. But that's just my big concern on that. Um, again, hopefully nothing happens. Um, but yeah, let us know what you think, or you can even go onto our Facebook page, um, or heck, you can even email us, uh, and we'll maybe share your thoughts on our next episode of what you thought, and we'll sort of figure out what happened and we can talk about it then um, if you want to email us that's info at orange and black soccer uh, if you forget that just go to our website and you can find that information on there as well um, one other thing about this match uh, that sort of shocked me and again we talked about this before and this sort of maybe falls into this officiating thing was there was a play I don't remember if it was in the first or second half but it was where Seton went up for a header got head-to-head -head contact with a player from the other team um, the St. Louis player went to the ground holding his head. Segbers was, was, you know, hunched over, you know, probably touching his head, trying to figure out what happened. And lo and behold, the ref just let the play continue. And it was about another five or 10 seconds before the ball got kicked out of play. And the ref finally said, okay, um, medical personnel come out and check out on this. 
from what I thought and from what I've been seeing from soccer all over the world is anytime it's, you know, head to head contact like that, you're going to almost immediately see a stoppage of play and the ref's going to call out the medical staff just to see what's going on. Uh, sort of confused me when I was watching that. I was wondering, why is the whistle not blowing? Why are they still going? The the announcers on the match were saying, hey, this need, this should have been stopped. Uh, they were confused about it. I don't know, Dylan, were you confused when you saw that? Um, and I guess, you know, what are your thoughts on what happened with the, the that that incident, incident? And, you know, go for it. Yeah, um, Reynolds, one of the um, St. Louis, I believe is He's the captain. Back. Yeah, the captain and and Seaton went up for a ball and, and clashed heads. Um, Reynolds was bleeding on the pitch and yes. was pulled off the pitch and was taped up and it took like had a five minutes in the for match. that. Yeah, it took a head uh, had a headband on and of some probably some gauze for the rest of the match. That was pretty clearly a serious head to head hit. Um, and I mean, I think this is the second week in a row now where I've mentioned that player safety just seems to go by the wayside for these referees. Um, no matter what you think about that Segber's um, knee or, or step up or however you look at it, these head-to-head, uh, these head-to-head contacts, contacts I yeah. guess, have just been pretty prevalent. Um, you know, uh, Christian Duke, it looks like, broke his nose, judging by the picture he posted the, the day after and the uh, surgery that he had on his nose. Um, and now with with Seaton, and Seaton goes for these fifty fifty balls, and he he gets seemingly pretty banged up every match. But amazingly, he's not shying away from it. I'll give him a lot of credit for still uh, every week going out after those balls. But when there's head to head contact, I don't particularly care if someone goes down or not. Um, I think play needs to be stopped. Um, people, you know. We need to be a little more careful about this. Referees need to be a little more aware of, of that. We've seen that a lot in other sports where this, this head-to-head contact is becoming really heavily penalized. I know football has, has had a lot of issues the last few years since that concussion report. And I think even a movie about it. Will um, Smith? Will Smith, is he in it? I don't know. Yeah, he's the, um, he plays the doctor that discovered yeah. whatever this, the disease is. I forget what it's called. Yeah, for those of you listening, I the whole pop culture <laughs> thing it like really just flies by uh, by the wayside for me. If it's not but soccer, then then if Dylan it's not soccer, know, then right? it's not happening. Um, but maybe a little bit of, a little bit of hockey. We see these. Um, what is hockey? Hits with contact to the head. It's like soccer on ice. Oh, okay. with more hitting. It's it's actually a lot of fun. You should you should find some in the off season. Um, <laughs> where these uh, hits with contacts to the head are, are suspensions. Um, now, this isn't malicious like a hockey hit was, no. and I will make that clear that I don't think Reynolds or Seaton went up to injure another player, and why would you try and do that with your own head to begin with? Um, but I think that when guys go down and when guys are bleeding on the pitch, you need to immediately blow the game dead and make sure they're okay. Um, we don't need a, a Vancouver situation where we have a player starting to choke on his own tongue. Oh yes, they're getting definitely. Knocked out. Definitely. That's about that's the last thing the USL needs um, from a marketing standpoint and a player safety standpoint. So hopefully in the coming weeks, you know, this has been a few weeks, not necessarily consistency, but this has been a few injuries for players. Just in Orange County games that I've seen um, on either side of the ball that um, are are having head injuries. Oh yes, that, that's. That's not good to go. It, it, it's it's a scary thing. And, and 
um, you know, definitely as a fan, you don't want to see any kind of injuries. But when you get into the head stuff, I mean, it could be really scary. Um, just recently in the Premier League, you had a player by the name of Ryan Mason uh, who in a match went head to head with a player and he actually fractured his skull in that play. And it ended up he's like 26 years old and he had to retire yeah. because, um, you know, he was basically he told can't go back. The yeah. risk was too high for him to go back. Yeah. And to not re-aggravate the injury, and make it worse. And, and, and the, as someone who has three concussions by my count and maybe i'm forgetting one because the amount of concussions <laughs> they add up massively and and the science on that backs it up to where they add up massively and you start to lose uh motor function and, and emotional control and and basically if you allow these um head hits to continue and and you don't immediately blow the play dead we're going to end up with players who are whose careers are going to be cut short like ryan mason and yes who are going to have longer term issues and, and and the thing on those head injuries is the quicker you can assess them and get to them the, the better the odds are of at least you know stopping any additional you know damage or anything like that so again in this instance you know the big hope is that the ref notices it right away or even his side judge notices it right away and you got to stop play immediately to make sure the players are okay especially when it's obvious that it's a head um injury um so uh, hopefully that's something that the USL will talk to the refs about and make sure they sort of watch out for in the in the future. Because as a fan, I'd rather see the play stopped, you know, by accident in what the ref thought was a head injury, um, especially in a play that wasn't really going anywhere, than um, potentially having, like you said, a, a major incident uh, going forward. So, yeah, and and definitely glad to see uh, both Reynolds and Seaton okay after uh, after that challenge. Yes. I was actually surprised that because uh, I know in some sports now they're having these like protocols with like concussions. I know football is one of the ones that's doing it where they won't even let a player back in the pitch until they pass, you know, concussion protocol. I think basketball does that as well. The NBA. Uh, I was surprised, you know, in this where it's I mean, you know, again, obviously pretty big injury player bleeding you know, on the side of their head. Yet, you know, it's just let's bandage you up and get you back in. And for seat, it was just, hey, you're standing good. Keep playing. Um, so I was sort of I was surprised not just because I haven't followed the USL for a very long time. Um, they follow the the US soccer concussion protocol, which I was actually looking up as we started to talk about this. <laughs> um, and I think it's up to the and I I don't know where I stand particularly on this, but it's up to the um, the team doctor, right? team physio, yeah, to determine. Which um, of course the team physio is going to be like, hey, are you good to go? Get out there. <laughs> are you good to go? Yeah. Do you know what day of the week it is, or do you know where you are? And all right, get back out there. But they have U.S. Soccer has what they call the recognize to recover protocol, um, where they try and recognize obvious signs of a concussion, okay. confusion, um, and, and amnesia, um, to remove them from the pitch and then and have them be evaluated and then that that period afterwards i don't know if there's a specific number of days that they can't play afterwards um after a concussion it's but they do stress that it's not something to be rushed this is where being a youth soccer coach is going to come into play because i actually even as a youth soccer coach they require if it's a sanctioned league youth league you still have to as a coach you have to know at least the basics of concussion and what you should do and basically there's no date there's no amount of days that you have to sit out it's until the symptoms are gone um, and the symptoms can include headache, nausea, all that fun stuff, plus just, you know, a bunch of other stuff. I, my, my son actually recently, he's he do, he's my non-athlete son. He, he's more, um, he likes to just have fun. He doesn't want to play sports, like, for winning and stuff like that. But he recently took a pretty bad spill, um, and he had to go do the concussion test just because even though he didn't hit his head, um, he was showing some sort of symptoms that seemed like it could be. So that he had to go through the whole, they asked him, like, all these questions. It was like a 30-minute thing asking questions 
dates this and that as an eight-year-old and he actually was probably better than i would have been so uh but uh yeah so i'm not saying that's necessary on the side of a pitch but um but yeah you, you just know, want to make I'm sure glad that there's these guidelines and i'm just hoping these guidelines find you know find their way down to the pitch to the refs and no definitely uh, you know we don't have this hopefully i never have to talk about another <laughs> head-to-head collision not being immediately uh having play not being immediately stopped after well at least on this incident it was uh, it was two players you know equally going for the ball so um i mean we look back again you mentioned the christian duke thing that one see more was christian duke got the ball and the other player like a second later got christian duke right in the face which um that one we already talked about it. we were a little frustrated that there was no call on that so um but uh, so i think we've covered what we need to cover there's actually no game coming up between now and our next podcast release so we're not going to preview anything um but uh you know want to remind everyone that's listening uh, if you like our podcast feel free to follow us on your favorite podcast source whether it's itunes google play music stitcher tune in radio iheart radio uh, radio public soundcloud pretty much anywhere We're everywhere you, pretty yeah we are pretty i you know pretty much anywhere you can find a podcast you should be able to find us um you can also go to our website and listen to us there uh, you can also uh, check out other amazing soccer podcasts at the Beautiful Game Network, BGN.FM. Follow them also on Twitter at TheBGN.FM. Uh, they have a bunch of great stuff, uh, and it's a great uh, group of, of soccer fans just like you, just like Dylan, just like myself, uh, that love this beautiful game that's called soccer. Um, check for uh, Look for us on AngelsOnParade.com, which is part of SB Nation. Um, they do a great job of covering uh, and um, if you go back to our very first official episode, Alicia from that bl- uh, blog, that website was with us uh, to discuss Orange County soccer. And she's done a great job of covering the team for quite a while now. So um, with that said, I don't think there's any other pressing needs to talk about on this. And we've done a good amount of time on this. We're we're right about the time that I want to say probably we should be at each and every episode, which is awesome. We're getting better at this, folks. Uh, as Dylan and I go through this, uh, this one. I mean, I definitely am. <laughs> no, we've, we've both been, uh, been growing. I mean, just in these, what, this is going to be our seventh episode. I think, uh, it's, 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 we have, we have fun talking about soccer with you. I know Dylan and I've talked about it off the air. This is fun for us. We, we, gl- we're glad that, uh, there's at least some of you that are listening to us. And, um, as long as you guys keep listening to us, we will uh, keep putting out these, these pods for you. And as long as we you know can do it, uh, and, um, yeah, if, you, if you've been following us since the beginning or even you've come back from a previous episode and you've decided to follow us and listen to episodes, thanks for coming back. If it's your first time listening to us, check back on some of the older episodes so you can uh, hear what we've had to say. Um, I always joke, we, we always talk about what we've talked about in the past, so if you uh, don't quite get what we're talking about, that means you need to listen to something else, or not something else, but to one of our past episodes. So, uh, Dylan, any last words that you have for our listeners uh, before we end this? Yeah, we've got a lot to look forward to in the next couple of weeks. Um, when interviewing Christian Duke a few weeks ago, he mentioned that he was looking to be coming back uh, in the next few weeks, which um, is is lining up to probably our next one or two matches. Um, same thing with Woo-hoo. with Andre, uh, where we can you know we can look back to these two really key pieces coming back into um, into the lineup. Hopefully, uh, we can week out with them, and hopefully everything's fine. Um, beyond that, for all of you who uh, follow us from the Beautiful Game Network, uh, raise your dongers, everyone, and uh, have a good week.
<laughs> and, and, you know, the amazing thing, you're talking about these two great players, key pieces coming back. We've actually been able to move up the table with them sitting out, I think. So um, that's awesome. Anytime you can move, you can either hold your position or even move up when you have key pieces missing. Um, it just makes it more exciting for them to return. Um, a reminder that the next home match for uh, the good guys, Orange County Soccer Club, is actually going to be uh, not this Wednesday, or not today, but a week from today, Wednesday, August 1st. And it's actually going to be a day match. Uh, so if you have not yet or if you forgot about that or whatever, make sure you do whatever you need to do to clear your calendar and make it out to the stadium to be able to watch that match. Also a reminder that um, coming up August 4th is the first ever, uh, is it Brews and Soccer or Beer and Soccer, whatever it's called. I'm just uh, calling it Beer Night. I mean, <laughs> that's what it is. Basically, right? It's going to be the first ever one of those. Uh, they're, the club's really working hard to make that a fun event for you guys. Uh, whether you're part of the uh, County Line Coalition or you're just a general fan, uh, you're gonna have a bunch beer of beer fest, <laughs> a bunch of beer. Uh, they're gonna have a stage, so I'm assuming they're gonna have some sort of performer or music going on uh, before the match. Uh, you get into that, you also get to go into the match uh, as well. And I'm um, just sort of reading through some of the information from County Line Coalition. It looks like there's gonna be some cool, like neat little, I guess, experiences or or surprises that are gonna be at the match there. So. Well, make sure you go and hit out there. It's a great opportunity to bring your non-Orange County Soccer Club fans uh, to the match to try and hook them into becoming a fan. Uh, because what you know, who doesn't want beer, um, especially when it's a, you know, pretty much an all-you-can-drink type thing. Uh, so make sure you head out to that. And all right, so with that said, I guess we're going to go ahead and call it a, an episode uh, for Dylan. This is Ray. Uh, thank you for listening to the Orange and Black Soccer Cast, and have a great week. Oh, Johnny, you are my team until the day I die. Podcasts are a great way for your business to advertise to target audiences. And the Orange and Black Soccer Cast is looking for advertisers like you. If you're interested in advertising your business on our podcast, please email us at info at orangeandblacksoccercast.com. The Orange and Black Soccer Cast has joined forces with many other soccer podcasts, many of them focusing on the USL. We're now part of the Beautiful Game Network, bgn.fm.